Don't call him Jeff Saturday. Uh-huh. Call him Jeff Sunday. Colts go into Vegas <laughs> and win. They make Jeff Saturday 1-0 and because it's the NFL and nothing makes sense. Jonathan Taylor back healthy. I think they'll run the crap out of the ball. They control this clock. I think they play inspired ball for Jeff Sunday. Jeff Sunday. Do they have any money? Colts win. Team win, baby. I don't want to finish it off. It's been a tough week, but uh, we believe and we know in who you are, Jeff. And congratulations. I know you will treasure this, my brother. Appreciate you. <laughs> Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. When you take a shot from way downtown and drain it, Jay Croucher, uh, you go. get the cold open. It is the happy hour. It's noon on Monday on Peacock, but it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Welcome to the happy hour with Jay Croucher. My name is Matthew Berry, and it is indeed a happy hour because Colts win. Colts win. Colts win, and there was one person, and only one person that believed, that person who believed, who also has two thumbs, is this guy, right here, let's go, Jeff Sunday brings it home for the Colts, and it's good to see uh, Jim Ursay, it's great to see Jeremy Ursay, the hero maybe we didn't know we needed, but the hero we wanted. Bobby Dent. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, well listen, he's the one that started the conversation about the commander, so you know I, I'm I'm, I'm hashtag, I'm Team Ursay. A thousand percent. Like, look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying the betting market believed in the Raiders. No one believed yeah. in Jeff Saturday. No. no one believed in them. And what did they do? They came out and they ran the ball. They, they ran, ran the, ball. the ball. They ran it down the throats. And the um, what coach is more in the hot seat right now? Jeff Saturday or Josh McDaniels? Josh McDaniels. Oh, of he's course. Done. It's not he's even done. close. Yeah, it's over. Not even close. Jeff Saturday's one. No. Jeff Saturday. On a, Jeff Saturday on a percentage basis. Yes. Is the winningest coach in NFL history. Yes. Matthew Monday bringing the heat today. Just, I mean, like, numbers are numbers. Numbers are numbers. Numbers are numbers. They look good. Matt Ryan. I'm just, look. Part I, of the rushing attack now. A thousand percent. Who's the better rusher, Justin Fields or Matt Ryan? It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, who, it doesn't, it, who we don't even know, Jay. I mean, like, I, I will say this. I mean, like, um, for all the crazy crap that happened over the weekend, like, you know, and we'll get into Justin Jefferson's catch and, you know, that insane game and everything like that. Like, Matt Ryan rushing for 39 yards, I mean, to, to save the game. Do you remember that Thursday night game against the Broncos when I took him over one and a half rushing yards yes. and he got one? He and, saved and all he, his yards for Las Vegas. Here's what's great. So it was a 39-yard run. Yeah. He finished with 38 rushing yards. Yeah, of course he did. Like he's uh, but you know what? God well, bless the NFL. We well, love it, and we're here, yeah. and we're, uh, we're almost on to week 11, Jay Croucher. Yep. All right, let's jump into some yes. Roto World headlines coming out of week 10. So we have one game to play, which we'll talk about later. But let's do start. Hit, do we think that we hit that enough? That I, you know, I nailed that what guy. Because you reckon we did? Well, you know me. I don't like to brag about myself. You know, I, I don't ever like you've, to make it about myself. But you've you know, departed I, from your usual state. I, it yeah. was uncomfortable, but the producers made me. I'm do glad that. you toned it down. I'm Thank glad you, you toned it down. <laughs> played played that. within yourself. Thank you. Uh, very much, a guy who didn't play within himself was Justin Jefferson. Dude. We'll get to him as we talk Vikings Bills. But first, let's hear from Josh Allen on the loss. It comes down to my shoulders and my shoulders only, making the right decisions, making the right throws. Um, you know, putting our best foot forward in practice. This one's, this one's going to suck watching. Um, only ways forward. we gotta got to find a way to put this behind us and not let it affect our next one. Three straight second halves like this, how discouraging is that? And do you have an explanation? 
Um, no explanation as of now. Just we got to execute better. Um, that's that's on my shoulders. Again, four turnovers today. Uh, three were by me, and losing sucks. That's just what it is. You hate to lose, especially that way. Yeah. Not the same guy there as uh, the guy on TikTok with the trick shots with the ping pong ball, Josh Allen. He no. was uh, a little bit out of it. He did not play well at all. I'm not sure how much uh, his UCL sprain had to do with that. But, I mean, the sneaky thing with the Bills now is this is three weeks in a row of Josh Allen not being great. And to me, that's the biggest concern coming out of this game. This doesn't look like the offense that we thought it was going to be a month ago. Yeah, I, well, I mean... There's NFL and then there's, there's there's fantasy, right? From the NFL, there's certainly cause for concern as we sit here and watch some video of Josh Allen throwing some red zone interceptions. Like, if you told me in this game there's going to be a couple of red zone turnovers, you'd be like, oh, so Kirk Cousins does yeah. his Kirk Cousins thing? Yeah. And no, Josh Allen does his best Kirk Cousins impression. We're not even at Halloween. I, so uh, there's the, those concerns there from the offense. I will say this, though. Fantasy-wise, like – He's had at least 23 fantasy points in seven of nine games this year. He's had back-to-back games with over 80 rushing yards. That was one concern coming into the game. Like, would they limit his rushing based on the injury? And they certainly didn't. I mean, he's thrown 43 times. He threw for 330 yards. He had over 80 rushing yards in this game, Jay. Like, from a fantasy perspective, you're pretty happy with the numbers he put up here. You know, you don't love the turnovers. I I think the concern – I guess my point is, is it feels like this is probably a bigger discussion for like pro football talk and Sims Unbutton than it is necessarily for us. Because from our perspective, like, are you changing how you feel about Josh Allen? Like, he's still like we're drafting today. Is there a quarterback you're taking over? Maybe Justin Fields. But like, I mean, I mean, like, right, right. But I mean, like, Josh Allen is still an elite fantasy quarterback, still an elite top three option at the position. You're still starting Stefan Diggs every day. Gabe Davis had a really nice game, even though, you know, one catch probably should have been challenged there. Um, (laughs) You know, I think the struggle for the Bills, so I guess it's more of an NFL discussion, I think, than a fantasy discussion, because I think you you feel good about Gabe Davis. You feel good about Devin Singletary. I will say from the fantasy perspective, Josh Allen, he was not feeling his, uh, his UCL sprain at all. He dived into Patrick Peterson, uh, like pilot episode of Friday Night Lights style, to try and stop that interception return. He looked completely fine from a health perspective. It was more just the performance and the decision-making. So you feel fine about Allen, Diggs, Davis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Like, look, was it, was it as great a game as it could have been? Sure. No. I mean, like, and is there, you know, sort of like cause for concern? He's had under 20 fantasy points in two of the last three. Okay, sure, a little bit, but like... The quarterback play has been so poor this year. Like, if somebody's panicking on Josh Allen, I'd rather I'd rather trade for him than try to trade away. If that makes any sense, I'm willing to bet on Josh Allen here. They're home to Cleveland next week, then at Detroit. So, I mean, next two weeks feels like. I mean, we just saw Tua and what he did to Cleveland. I I'm not ready to panic just yet on Josh Allen, especially given the fact guy didn't practice all week long and the. Vikings are legit. Give, give Minnesota credit. Yeah, well, give Justin Jefferson credit because that was about as dominant a wide receiver game as I can ever imagine in that type of profile of game, a regular season anyway. Jefferson just out of his mind. Here is the catch. Watch. Fourth and 18. Based to save the game, Justin Jefferson only needs one hand on right. balance versus the two. Just this is Lewis. like this, like you know, everyone on Twitter was like catch of the century, and and I think I said that too. And it's just like 
Yeah, probably. Just the degree of difficulty, the fact that he keeps it above, it never actually hits the ground. It's one-handed, fourth and 18, on the road against a huge, uh, you know, a team that everyone says, like, ah, you're not real. The Vikings, you aren't real. And, and so and the big wins they've had all have asterisks. And so now they come in, and they're on the road at Buffalo facing Josh Allen. And, you know, again, fourth and 18, he just comes up and – by the way, as amazing as that catch is by Justin Jefferson, again, like, I think I tweeted, I'd give him the SP now. Like, just, yes. you know what I mean? Like, unbelievable. Catch of the year, catch of the decade, catch of the century. But give credit to Kirk Cousins because that's not a throw he normally makes. And here's what I mean. Kirk Cousins is one of those quarterbacks that, like, you have to be open. That's been one of the, one of the criticisms of Cousins throughout his career is that he won't throw a guy open. Like, he, ha- he has to see that the guy has separation before he'll throw it. He won't throw those 50-50 balls. And in that one, that was – not even a 50-50 ball. It was like a 25-75 ball. Yep. But uh, Justin Jefferson came down with it. So he just sort of trusted Justin Jefferson to make a play. Like, Justin Jefferson wasn't open on that play. But Kirk Cousins said, I'm just going to put this ball up and let my guy go try to make a play, which is not something Cousins often does. So credit to Kirk Cousins there, too. Yeah, and I think that's just part of the building, the chemistry with Justin Jefferson. I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think that might have been like 10 games last year where Jefferson didn't crack 90 yards, whereas he's doing that every single week now, and it's just out of his mind. Yeah, I don't think there's too much to say about Justin Jefferson outside of he's a, he's a freak. He's, he's now the favorite to lead the league in receiving yards. It's him and Tyreek Hill in their own tier at the moment. Yeah, and, you know, and the only concern, like, I mean, I, again, like, I don't know that Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball 50 times, which is what he did in this game here, but, you know, you're happy to see Hawkinson, seven, didn't have a huge game, but double-digit target, seven for 45 in this one. Thielen, five for 49. Feels like Thielen takes a bit of a step back with Hawkins there. Dalvin Cook obviously has another big Dalvin Cook-like game. So, Vikings are as the Vikings go. Uh, the Bills, though, I think this is the one thing I do want to mention on the Bills. Last thing here is Devin Singletary, which he fell into the end zone a little bit, but what I think was positive here is he played more than half the snaps. Like, yep. he played a significant amount of snaps. And so, you sit, you sit there and go 13 for 47, whatever. Two touchdowns is nice. How much can you count on that? But, like, he's had at least 14 touches in three of the past four games. He's played over 70% of snaps in all four games. So, if you're going to be on the field that much in the Bills' offense, I think good things will often happen, more often than not. Yep. Last thing from me is that right now in BetMGM, the Bills are the, still the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I don't agree with that. I think Kansas City at plus 450 should be the favorites uh, just because they have a much clearer path to the one seed now yeah, and the bye. It's a better right, bet. Let's go on to Germany, our favorite country. Yeah, Guten Tag. Amazing showing from the Germans. They really showed out. They did. It was a Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund game. They got a decent game. It turned into a decent that game. That was a soccer reference, by the way. Yeah, Bayern Munich's a soccer team. Yeah. Uh, People the, don't think I got that. There was a lot of kicking. But I got it. Yeah. I just want you guys to know I got it. Surprised we didn't flash a little Premier League logo or something like that because we're company men. I'm just saying, like, everyone thinks I'm football only, but I, I'm an international yes. man of mystery. We'll, uh, we'll see Matthew Barry on the Premier League coverage soon. You can hear his thoughts on Arsenal-Brentford to come. But let's talk about... I Tampa like Bay's. Arsenal on that one. <laughs> yeah, you like the Gunners? Yeah. Plus 220 to yeah, win the Premier League. There you go. Yeah, lift the cup. Bet it down. I, All I, right. I bet MGM. Let's talk about Tampa Bay's offense. Everyone showed... knows I'm a Westfield ham guy. <laughs> 
Westfield. West, I don't know what West Ham. West Ham. That's yeah, right. That's the team. The, the, the rough team from yeah. London. West, well, those are my two teams: West Ham and <laughs> AFC Richmond. Yeah, West, Westfield Ham. Yeah, that's what it was. All West right. Ham. Somebody like back on my old podcast. My old podcast. We were just talking about. We needed a. Um, I needed a soccer team. And I needed to come up with something. So someone went to my Wikipedia page and said that I was a West Ham fan. So I'm just like, all right, I'm in. West, I'm in on West Ham. Westfield could, Ham is a type of meat that you buy at a deli in the Westfield shopping center. Also but, a fan uh, of that. Yeah, yeah, like By that. By the way, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on, on, uh, on rye with some lettuce and mayonnaise? Yeah, give me a piece of that. Right. Fantastic. Speaking of that, let's go to Tom Brady's yards per attempt. 8.9 against uh, the Seahawks in Germany. First game this season above 8. I wouldn't overreact to this performance from Tampa Bay's offense. Like, yeah, they looked a little bit better the same time they scored 21 points and they needed to go 10 of 15 on third down to do that. But I think the big story, we can talk about Brady, but the big story is Rashad White, who goes 22 carries for 105 yards with Leonard Fournette getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the important thing here. So so first off, it's, it's worth noting that, that Fournette left the game in the third quarter. He has a hip injury. They're on a bye next week, so we will see how serious this injury is for Nat. And we'll talk more about Rashad White tomorrow, obviously during the waiver wire show. We've talked about Rashad White on this show for a number of weeks, but I think the important thing here is he took every snap on the first drive, career highs obviously in rushing attempts before halftime, right? You know, in the first half, 22 to 18 uh, edge in snaps to Leonard Fournette in the first half. Um, Obviously once Fournette left, he played almost every snap there, but after the game, Tom Brady was just talking about the fact that it it opens when you can run the ball effectively, it just opens it up. And so the fact is, is that this is a team that, you know, when you have Rashad White running 22 for 105 and averaging almost five yards a carry, that just opens things up for Brady, makes allows him to be efficient. To your point, he only completed 22 passes in this one. 22 of 29, though. Super efficient there, you know. Um, and so he doesn't need the crazy volume because there's a balance of attack there. And so I think it is the part that I want to read into is the fact that they were able to run the ball effectively, that they feel like they found something in Rashad White. And it's weird because White was actually the better pass catcher in college. But um, if Rashad White can continue to run effectively, and again, they have a bye, then they're at the Browns. Browns don't scare you run defense-wise. I mean, nope. we just saw Miami nope. run all over them. So then maybe there's some confidence that can happen here with the Buccaneers. Then they, they play the Saints and the Niners, so it gets a little bit tougher after the Browns. But, again, I just – it was an encouraging sign. Definitely. Right? And I think for the passing game as well, that 8.9 yards per attempt, the encouraging thing is that there were five different Bucks who caught passes of at least 19 yards – Brady hadn't been having that depth to his game. Now, I don't think the Seahawks played great pass defense that game, where uh, outside of, um, unless Leonard Fournette was playing quarterback, but outside of that, they had some really bad blown coverages on third and long. So I wouldn't be too excited about the Tampa Bay passing game, but at least it showed something. Well, it showed signs of life. I mean, again, Brady is one of the league leaders in terms of passing yards per game. The problem is the touchdowns have not been there, and some of that's fluky, and some of that, to your, you know, to Brady's point, is like they just they've been so one-sided on offense, and so uh, going into the bye, maybe working on some things. If they found something in White, to the extent you care about Godwin and Evans, and you do, this is really good news for them. We'll talk about White tomorrow during the waiver wire show, but I do think Brady. Maybe slightly, you feel better about Brady on your roster than you did going into uh, week Definitely. 10. Against an improved Seattle pass defense. Let's go to Kansas City and talk about a couple of the most popular waiver wire pickups of the past month Kadarius Tony and Isaiah Pacheco. Let's start with Kadarius Tony, who uh, 
really came out of nowhere to be a huge part of this Kansas City offense. He goes for 90 yards total and that touchdown, hopping into the end zone, his first touchdown in the NFL because he never got one as a New right. York Giant, helps playing with Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I think that, yeah, he's obviously got to be rostered in every league going forward and he's a big part of this offense. It looks like the Mecole Hardman was out and Juju Smith-Schuster That's the hurt. point. To me, that's the point. Before, I mean, I, I get it, right? And everyone's... Just, I get it. He's he's a gadget player. He's exciting. He's now he's freed from New York and he's in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and all sorts of fantasy magic's going to happen. But the fact is, hang on though. The the, the fact is is that um, he's still like if you just right you know he had five targets in this game in a game in which Juju Smith Schuster left early. He got that awful hit. We'll talk about that in a second. And um, no Mecole Hardman in this game. And yet, even with those two guys out, Kadarius Tony still only got five targets. He got less targets than Kelsey. He got less targets than Jarek McKinnon. He had only one more target than Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who had the better fantasy day. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three for 60 with a touchdown. McKin- uh, Kadarius Tony, four for 57 with a touchdown as well. I, I just, I'm worried that people are going to overhype him. I, he played less than 50% of the snaps, right? I, now, I mean, again, he's just gotten there. But, like, you know, they, they're coming off the bye. Like they, um, or not off the bye. The bye was two weeks ago. But still, like, he played less than 50% of the snaps. I feel like you've I, positioned yourself against Kadarius Tony. I just, I, no, I'm, I'm not. I, I like Kadarius Tony. I think he's a good player. And anytime you're on the field with Patrick Mahomes, good things can happen. I yeah. just, I, I see some people on fantasy Twitter, like, you know, like going crazy. And I just want to caution the people, like, like okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying this can't be repeatable because he's got a great quarterback, a great offensive mind, and a really unique skill set. All those things are super positives. But there are fluky things that happen in this game that aren't necessarily going to be there. Again, we don't know the extent of Juju Smith-Schuster's injury. It was like a little, but it could be a concussion. He could be back next week. We just don't know. I don't know how serious Miko Hardman's injury is. Miko Hardman could be back next week. And I just, I'm not, I don't believe if Juju and Miko Hardman are active for next week, that Kadarius Tony is third on this team in targets and routes run and snaps. Yep. I just don't. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm sorry. I don't think suddenly after one game, he suddenly leapfrogs them. Yep. I think there is a very good chance that 90 yards and a touchdown is going to be the best game that Kadarius Tony has all year. Like, that is definitely in play. He could obviously exceed that as well. I do agree that with those guys coming back, that's going to eat into his share of targets and play but at the same time I will say that one I think he's the most talented receiver on Kansas City two I think they believe in him because of what they gave up for him and then three Patrick Mahomes only threw the ball 35 times this game because they were leading the entire way and yes the Chiefs do tend to lead games but Mahomes will generally complete more than 26 passes in a game so I do think there's a little bit more to go around so I think he's probably going to be a viable Lex going forward on right. average, but probably not going to be that wide receiver two that a lot of people are hyping him up to be. They're the Sunday night football game next week. The Chiefs are. They play the Chargers, and um, you know, and that's Chargers are pretty good pass defense. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you can run on defense. They're very very bad run defense, but they're pretty good pass defense. So we will see again. That game will be Sunday night right here on NBC and Peacock. I'm a company yep. man. Well, I, let's talk about that backfield. That's Isaiah the Pacheco. important thing to me. That's the bigger story yeah. here. Kadarius Tony is going to yeah. Bye bye. He had nothing to do with the offense. Uh, I thought if you looked at the box score, you might have thought that he just didn't play at all. He was injured, but he did get two targets in the past game. Right. He didn't catch either of them. But in terms of the backfield is his, is his new 
name Clyde Edwards disappear? Oh, that's Hello, not that's not hey right. now, yeah. from way downtown, yeah, uh, the kid still got it. Yeah, I called so glass, that sh- went in. Deeper shot than Jeff Sunday. Uh, let's take it, so as we look at the backfield splits, Isaiah Hashtag dad jokes. 56% of the snaps to McKinnon, 38%, and Clyde edwards Elair, the nowhere man, 6%. But the big thing is, is that McKinnon got 16 of the 17 rushes, and uh, he's, sorry, Pacheco did, and Pacheco's the guy you want going forward. Yeah, I, look. Uh, I I thought a lot of positives here, right? Right, you know, 57% of offensive snaps, third highest snap share for a Chiefs running back this season, as you reference as well. It's his third straight game as, quote-unquote, the starter. They use multiple running backs here. Um, and uh, career highs in rush attempts, rushing yards. And also, he had a bad fumble in this game. Yes. And they went, back, they went right back to him. To me, that was the biggest indicator. Like, after the fumble, they weren't like, okay, Rook, you know what? Is what it is. Why don't you sit down and learn your lesson the way some teams were? They went right back to him. Now, he has no involvement in the passing game, right? Last four games, he's got one reception. He's a really talented, interesting rusher, but it's a first and second down role on still a pass first team. Having said that, um, and we'll talk more about Pacheco tomorrow in the waiver wire show, like, you certainly don't feel great about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who has had 37 total rush yards in his last three games, under seven fantasy points in four or five. And we talked about what a sell high he was at the beginning of the year. I will say, like, I didn't see this coming. Like, we were like, the touchdown rate's unsustainable. It's obviously going to come crashing down to earth. Like, it's ridiculous. But um, I didn't see this, where they just completely went away from him. Worth noting, by the way, that Jarek McKinnon, you know, continues to be involved in the passing game here. McKinnon, 6 for 56 on eight targets. And so, like, in deeper PPR leagues, like, kind of a, a J.D. McKissick type role, J.D. McKissick last year. Like, if this is truly what it's going to be, it's going to be Pacheco and McKinnon the rest of the way, both those guys have flex value in leagues if CEH is gone. Again, let's see what happens next week. It's one week, but this is certainly very eye-opening. I will say this. That if you were using CEH at the beginning of the year and just rolling with him, you can no longer do that. No. Like if, if he was on my, if he gets dropped in any league that I'm in, I don't have him in any team. If he gets dropped in any league that I'm in, I'm not picking him up. Yep. You know, um, I'm not recommending necessarily dropping because you want to see what happens. But um, you know, feels like the writing's on the wall a little bit here for CEH. It does. Okay, writing's not on the wall for the next man we're going to talk about. Let's hear from Jeff Saturday on yesterday's win. Not his name. In truth. I felt I felt very at peace. I felt like we had a really good plan in place. I felt like all the men who I had talked about empowering and giving them the ability to do what they can do exceptionally well, they all stepped up. And so I knew what my role was, and I was going to execute my role to the best of my ability, and I was going to allow all of those men to do the same. The most unfamiliar I am is when I'm in the, you know, with, with the staff or, you know, whatever things, you know, like yesterday, getting to the hotel. It's all the, it's all the logistics that are, that are abnormal for me. But everything else, when I get anywhere near the field, the grass, the locker room, that's like, oh, it's just a relief, right? I mean, that's the, that's the area I want to be in. There you go. Jeff Sunday, easy, easy guy to root for here. Whenever he gives a press conference, I always feel like he's prepping, like, Matthew McConaughey's team and Interstellar to go save the universe. Yeah. As opposed to, like, Jonathan Taylor hit the A, you know, uh, break the gap. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Look, I mean, like, but I talked about this. I mean, I talked about this when the job name. Like, I'm just, like, that's who that guy is. Like, it's somebody who literally worked with him for years and sat next to him for a number. Like, he's that guy, right? He's, He's a nice, charismatic, charming, upbeat you know, guy that, you know, you feel, and so, 
you know, I thought, like, again, don't know what kind of offense he's going to run. Going to be a little bit – turns out it's more run heavy. But, like, the guys will believe in him. They'll buy in, and they clearly did. I think it's interesting here. It's hard to take – it's one game. That's the only sample size we have, right? And I think it is worth noting that the former all-pro center, offensive line obviously going to be a focal point, they gave up one sack, right? And Matt Ryan was pressured on 13% of dropbacks. That is a season low, right, for the previous five games. They'd been pressured on 39% of dropbacks, and they got that down to 13% against the Raiders. Season high, 207 rushing yards. This is the first game this season with multiple rushing touchdowns. That offensive line played well. They kept Matt Ryan clean. They opened up running lanes for him, you know, Matt Ryan to, to rush for 39 yards. Yeah, it's so <laughs> stupid. But, um, but the fact of the matter is, is like, if there's an impact there, it feels like they bought in. Yep. They bought in and they want, they want a close game. Yeah, 100%. And I think the biggest takeaway definitely is that Jonathan Taylor looked like Jonathan Taylor again. Suspiciously like the JT of last year. That 66-yard touchdown looked a lot like the, I think, 67-yard touchdown he had against the Patriots to ice that game in December last year. He goes 22 carries, 147 yards, gets that long touchdown. And uh, I think you just project him going forward as given that he looked, I mean, he looked healthy. You don't break off a 66-yard no. run if you're not healthy. So, I mean, he, I think he projects just going forward as his top six, seven running back again, right? Sure, sure. I mean, season high snap rate of 94%, no Deion Jackson in this one. But that makes sense. Like, it's clear that Jeff Saturday, you're like, wow, it, it shouldn't take a rocket size to do this. But Jeff Saturday was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play our best players. I want Matt Ryan back under center. Like, and we don't think Matt Ryan's great, but we clearly know he's an upgrade over Sam He's Allinger. an NFL quarterback. He's an NFL quarterback. wasn't. And that's right. And so we're going to play our best players. And oh, by the way, you know who one of our best players is? Jonathan Taylor. So yep. we're going to just keep feeding him the rock. Ultimately, 24 touches total for, for JT. It helped that the game was close and they were leading for a lot of it. They play the Eagles next week and then the Steelers. So two teams that you can run on. As yeah, good as look the what Eagles Damian are, Pierce did to the Eagles on Thursday night. Yeah, and I think uh, we'll ago. talk about that game coming up a little bit later. They, they play my commander tonight, and I think the Eagles win tonight handily, but I do think Washington will be able to run on Philadelphia. The injuries on the defensive line have really hurt Philly. Let's also say what happens when Deion Jackson comes back and whether that takes a little bit away from Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. It might a little bit, but I think JT is good to ride with. But if you've hung, hopefully you've hung in this long and you've been rewarded for it because I think he's, he's back. So, like, if nothing else, people should praise Jeff Sunday for that. Yes, bring back JT. All right, let's go to Green Bay. But first, let's hear from Christian Watson on Aaron Rodgers and uh, Matt LaFleur keeping the faith. I think it was huge for me just in terms of uh, obviously, you know, continuing to gain confidence in, in myself um, and, you know, obviously, you know, put that confidance out to, to everyone else ha- to have the confidence in me. Um, I mean, we got a lot more games to to go, and I got to keep on keep on on the incline. Twelve and and uh, Matt both said uh, early. I mean, we're, we're going to come back to you, uh, and I mean, obviously, you know that that hit me at home. Uh, obviously, you know, I knew I know that those are plays I can make. Um, those are plays that you know I make every day at practice, and and just something I know I'm capable of. So um, obviously, you know, just ha- having that. Uh, to fall back on just knowing, you know, I'm still in it. Uh, we're still good. They still got faith in me. Uh, it means the world. Four receptions, 107 yards, and three touchdowns. And maybe the most predictive thing going forward is that he had eight targets, which was twice as many as anyone else on the team. And look, I feel like the fantasy community going into the season and the betting community as well, we're all predicting that 
Uh, there was going to be a rookie wide receiver on Green Bay who was going to rise to stardom, and everyone was predicting it was going to be Romeo Dobbs. Well, Romeo Dobbs is down, and uh, Christian Watson absolutely took that role uh, against Dallas. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, so I don't know that you expect three touchdowns uh, any, uh, any particular week, and they had no Romeo Dobbs in this game and no Randall Cobb as well. So maybe that explains somewhat of the 42% target share, but targets are earned, right? And so I think, um, you know, just, again, Watson talking about the confidence that they had in him, that Rodgers and LaFleur had in him after the bad drops. And, you know, the very first game of the year, Watson had a bad drop. But this is somebody who has a size and speed profile that made everyone excited when he was initially drafted. And then as training camp went on and you heard buzz about Dobbs, um, people started to turn turn off of Watson but the fact of the matter is is that next week against Tennessee you feel good about Watson again we'll get more into it on the waiver wire show but 32 I thought this is interesting 32 percent of his targets this year have come on deep passes that's important when you've got 12 throwing you the ball because he's as good a deep ball thrower as any quarterback in the NFL yep what does this do for Aaron Rodgers going forward you we, we said to drop him everywhere. Does Christian Watson make him viable again after? I mean, he only has 20 pass attempts, but he goes 224 and those three the, touchdowns. That's the thing. I mean, just the touchdown passes are, I feel like, a fluky. little bit fluky. Yep. And the, again, the volume isn't there. He throws 20 passes, and even in a game in which everything went right, 224 yards and 20 pass attempts. He does get the three touchdowns, but okay. But, you know, they want to run. Here's his upcoming schedule. Home to Tennessee. At Philadelphia, at Chicago, bye. Tennessee's defense is playing really well these days. I don't know how you feel. That game's in Green Bay, at least. So you feel okay about them. Don't love them at Philadelphia. You know, like, not at all. At Chicago, I know Aaron Rodgers owns Chicago, but and the, the Bears' defense isn't the Bears' defense. I mean, they just, whatever, they just gave up whatever it was, 31 or 30 points to the Lions. But, you know, and then a bye. So maybe you're using him one out of one or two weeks in the next four. Maybe. Yep. So I guess my point is is that like it's good if you have Christian Watson. Um, I think it'll ultimately be good if you have Alan Lazard. Just sort of a bad day at the office for him. But you know, even in his best game of the season, he was fine because yep. he, he gives you nothing with his legs. No. Not anymore. I do think against Tennessee that might be viable just because we've seen how frequently teams just completely give up on the run against the Titans because they have the best rush defense in the league. So that might be one. But I think that will be the big test for Rodgers. Let's look at Dallas' side of the ball. Tony Pollard does basically what he does whenever he starts. Goes 22-115 and a touchdown. Adds a little bit in the pass game as well. But the story was C.D. Lamb who, uh, I mean, everyone talks about Justin Jefferson yesterday, rightfully so. I mean, technically, C.D. Lamb had a better game statistically because he got the two touchdowns. Uh, Anything else that was interesting from the Dallas side? Yeah, I think Dalton Schultz. uh, You know, so very quietly, especially given how bad tight end is this year, Dalton Schultz, 6 for 54, he gets the touchdown here. But I think what's important here is eight targets. And since week seven, when Dalton Schultz returned, you know, he had that knee injury. He's the fourth best tight end in fantasy football, right? He's had at least five catches in all three games. And I just bring that up because I don't think people are like, oh, yeah, Dalton Schultz is fine. He's the fourth best tight yeah. end in fantasy in that time. Like, like, I don't think people realize how good Dalton Schultz – again, the bar is low for, you know, it's Kelsey and Andrews and then everyone else sort of thing. But I think people don't uh, give a lot of uh, sense to how good Dalton Schultz is. The other concern here, and just moving off of this game, is just A.J. Dillon, whose passing work – passing game role has just completely evaporated yep. 
He's a touchdown-dependent flex at this point. Like, he got a decent amount of work in a game script that the Packers were leading. But to your point, you don't love him next week against Tennessee because no. he's just getting no passing game work. No, I don't think you start him against Tennessee. If he's any flex, you feel bad. All right, let's jump into uh, some of the notable injuries from yesterday, headlined by the Offensive Player of the Year last year, Cooper Cup, with a scary injury to his ankle. Yeah, uh, initial reports coming out out of L.A. is that maybe it's not as bad as initially feared, but still not great. We'll hopefully get more on this, but this would just be absolutely devastating to fantasy managers, to the Rams, to my little Cooper Cup. Like, I'm just praying for this. We talked about Juju and the concussion. Uh, Zach Ertz is going to miss multiple weeks. Looks like Trey McBride will be the guy for the Cardinals going forward. We'll talk more about that tomorrow as well. Khalil Herbert leaves at the end of the game. We'll see about that. And then finally, just want to note that while – while we were talking about um, the Cowboys game, Fantasy Life app gives me a quick alert. It's so great. You don't have to follow all these people on Twitter because the, the app just gives you all these free alerts. Anyway, Adam Schefter tweeting out that uh, the expectation per source is that Leonard Fournette will be fine yep. in week 12 when they come back. So that's uh, per Adam Schefter. Thank you, Fantasy Life app, for the notification. Uh, more on these injuries tomorrow during the Waiver Wire show. We'll have more of a sense we'll hear from press conferences uh, and uh, get you know, get more information. Yep. Just okay. but in the meantime, prayers up for Cooper yep. Cup, my right. little Cooper Cup. Let's go to break. When we come back, weekend warriors headlined by Matthew Berry's Quebec friend Cole Kmet. Yes, come on Quebec. The thing about Kmet is he scored three times in the last two games. Uh, he's got a 15.6 percent target share since week three, and this matchup against the Lions is. Pretty Kids, uh, they allow the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. So Cole Komet is good. <laughs> bad. Fast yeah. tomorrow, dude. Let's just act like that yeah. didn't happen. Yes. Did these shots I kick got you. in? Yeah. I got you. Did these shots just kick in? You. you got me to laugh. I got you to laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I wasn't laughing with you. Yes. Um, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yes. Still counts. Uh, looks the same in the box true. score. That's true. Matthew Barry, incredibly happy with yourself. Cole Komet is good. Yeah. Was I Karong? I don't ca- believe so. Oh boy! All right, let's talk about Cole Komet. Don't kaboy me. Yeah, Kajay. His, uh, his five touchdowns in the past three weeks. Welcome all on of board. A sudden. Yeah. Come on board. Come on in. The weather, the weather, the warm. Him and Justin Fields, best QB tight end duo. Uh, is, it, is it that or is it Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews? I'm not sure anymore. I don't, it's it's a toss up at the moment. Um, the number one tight end fantasy, so heading into Monday Night Football, is Cole freaking Komet, and Justin Fields is the number one quarterback in fantasy. Justin Fields is the By best way, player to ever Matt live. Ryan at number four. Look at you, Jeff Sunday. You go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Mahomes looks great uh, there. Tua, obviously terrific. Uh, Ryan Tannehill at seven. Throwing the ball to Titans. We'll yeah. get into that in the Let's next go. segment. And uh, here we go. Cole Komet. Who's Cole... Travis Kelsey? Never heard of him. Yeah, yeah Cole exactly. Komet. My guy Dalton Schultz right there and uh, the island of Foster Moreau, yeah. who I know you love. Yeah, uh, he's number always. six there. By the way, he should even be higher because Moreau t- dropped a touchdown yes. that he should have had Bad one. Uh, in that game. But I think the point here of us uh, showing the, the graphic, other than the fact that, you know, I called it, um, is Justin Fields and Cole Komet, both number one of the positions. And i got to be honest with you. I'm in. I buy all this stuff. I mean, listen, we've been talking about Justin Fields for weeks, like six weeks now, saying, like, he's a QB1, he's a QB1, QB1. I yelled at people last week saying, um, hey, what are all these people saying? Like, I think he's a QB1 now. 
He's been a QB1 for a month. He's been a QB1 for a month on the season. On the season, he's the third best quarterback in fantasy football. When you think about how bad he started this season, he's been so good that he's now the third best uh, quarterback in fantasy overall. Since week five, he's the second best quarterback in fantasy on a points-per-game basis. I think we're seeing Lamar Jackson 2019 right now. Yep. That's what we're dealing with here. Yep. We are dealing with an MVP, I'm going to put your fantasy team on my back and carry you kind of season from Justin Fields. Yes. The only issue is, is Lamar Jackson went 14-2 and two and the Bears are 3-7. and seven. But fantasy, I mean, he's the number one quarterback. This is a You'd fantasy take. football show. You would take him number one, right, going forward? He's number one quarterback over Mahomes, Allen? No, I'm probably still, just, you know, I'm still probably taking Mahomes or Allen. But, I mean, maybe a little bit. But, like, do <laughs> you want to make a box, box out of me? But... But what I'm saying is the fact that we're having that conversation, yeah. Jay, he's in that conversation. Yeah, he's he's in that. He's a thousand percent. He is he is in the Patrick Mahomes. Who would you rather have, yep. Mahomes or Fields? Who would you rather have, Josh Allen or Justin Fields? He's in that conversation. Yep. Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, or Justin Fields. It's a conversation. And just the fact that it's a conversation and we could have a difference of opinion there and no one's wrong – Tells you something here. Worth noting, next week they play the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> you know, See full, full steam ahead. So, Komet, I think, is more important. Five touchdowns over the last three games. He's had five red zone targets over that stretch as well. Fields is looking for him when he's not ducking and running. He's talking about that. And I loved Cole Komet as a sleeper in the preseason. Yep. Then I bailed on him. But I'm back in. <laughs> yeah. I'm just owning it. I did. I did. You know, like, because the offense looked awful. But I was in on – one of the reasons I was in on him in the preseason is because super talented guy who just got really unlucky with the touchdowns last year. Um, and we talked about the fact that, you know, his targets were – his targets were there and the routes run were there. And we thought he was talented athletically. Just got unlucky with the touchdowns. Yep. And then, then I bailed on him, whatever. But I'm back in. And the fact is, is so I think this is somewhat legitimate – his 39% target share in Week 10 is a season high. 13 targets over the last two weeks, given what a wasteland tight end is. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is not a fluke. Yep. All right, let's stay in that game and go to Amon Ra St. Brown, who had season highs in catches and receiving yards. Goes 10 for 119. I think he's just locked in as wide receiver one going forward. Yeah, obviously. We've talked about him a while. He was on the love list, I, I believe, going into this uh, week. And, you know, like, we're in. We we talked about him on fantasy football pregame. We talked about him last week as well. The sun god earns targets like nobody's business. Plays the Giants next week. Yeah, uh, he's really great. And but to me, he's not even the most interesting part of the Lions. To me, it's the it's the running backs. And we'll talk about that later in the show. But yeah, I mean the the Jamal Williams over DeAndre Swift thing is real. Yep, we'll get into that in the next segment. Not too good for DeAndre Swift, but. A happier running back situation, at least for one guy, is uh, in Miami, where they completely lit up the Browns. As a team, they go 33 for 195 and two touchdowns on the ground. And the biggest part of that was Jeff Wilson, who goes 119 yards and one touchdown. Raheem Mostert also delivers value, but Wilson's the guy that you want going forward. Friend of the podcast, Raheem Mostert. It's Sorry, weird. Raheem. Sorry. Yeah, we ever tanked, since you appeared on our show, your, your, te- your touches keep going mm. down. Matthew Barry's fault. It might be. It might be. Uh, since he's gotten to Miami, Jeff Wilson Jr. has outsnapped Raheem Mostert 68-43. to 43. Um, You know, 17 rushes. He catches the two balls. Like So 19 touches for Jeff Wilson. And I think this is by design when you think about the 12 touches that Mostert got. Mostert is somebody they like a lot, um, but they want to keep him healthy. And so Wilson is more than depth. 
I will say that, la- com- I'll just own it, coming into this week, I ranked Mostert two spots over Wilson. Just because, you know, hey, he's still, he's the veteran. He'd been there longer and that kind of stuff. But obviously, based on this game and based on what, to the eye test, what you see from both guys, and both guys are talented. But Wilson, you prefer Wilson to Mostert going forward at this point. Um, but I do think both guys are viable because they're both getting double touches in one of the best offenses in football. Yep, it's the most explosive offense in the game right now, along with Kansas City. So, yeah, you just want shares of that offense. Let's go to an As, offense. Even though, even though Wilson has outtouched Mostert, Mostert has still scored each of the last two weeks, and as has Wilson. Yep. So He's going to need know, more than eight carries a game going forward, though. A thousand percent. Value. Worth noting, Dolphins on a bye this week as well, so even more time for them to get Wilson in and integrate and everything like that. Yep. Okay, let's go to Pittsburgh, where Najee Harris, a little renaissance from him, written off. Uh, people thinking it was going to be the Jalen Warren show, as we potentially thought it would be too. But Najee gets 20 carries, goes for 99 yards. Well, it wasn't an um, amazing game, but at least that he had the, the share of the workload. And he does get almost five yards per carry, uh, which is efficiency rarely seen from Najee Harris. Jalen Warren still gets some of the offense. He gets the receiving work with three catches for 40 yards, but... Najee's reasserted himself as the guy that you want in that backfield. One of the things we talked about with Mike Florio on fantasy football pregame was the fact that, like, hey, you know, there's definitely where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, so there's definitely some, you know, there's definitely some thoughts about um, they want to get Jalen Warren more touches. But we also talked about the fact, is this Tomlin's way of sort of trying to motivate Najee Harris? And it sort of felt like this, right? I mean, he had 25 more rushing yards than in any other game so far this season. 20 carries, 99 rushing yards, looked like the Najee Harris remembered somewhat, showed some burst here. Um, They were able to move the ball effectively. Now, you know, he didn't catch any uh, passes. Um, He played 60% of the snaps, which is his lowest amount since week one. But still, maybe not using him as much keeps him a little bit fresher and he keeps him more explosive. Sure. I think low-end RB2, high-end flex going forward. You still don't, you don't love that he didn't get the receiving work, which is a big part of his game last season. Let's go to New but York. Yes, but it did seem like – I do think, and we'll talk more about um, Warren tomorrow during the waiver Wire show, but playing Cincinnati next week at home, then at Indy, at Atlanta, home to Baltimore, not a great schedule. But, yeah, so I think he's probably more of a low-end running back too. But uh, I think that you – Given where you were with Najee Harris, I think you actually have to be encouraged by this. Because he, just to the eye test, he looked better. It felt like he was going on a steady decline and about to fall off a cliff, and he jumped back up onto the cliff top. All right, let's talk about the Giants, who uh, continue their rise up the mountain, if we continue talking in the cliffs and mountains vein. And Darius Slayton was a big winner against the Texans, has one of the best touchdowns, really, of the year. I'm not sure how he turned that into a touchdown, but gets the 54-yarder into the end zone, goes three for 95 with that touchdown. He's sneakily been providing value the past month or so. 11.5 fantasy points in four of the past five, to your point. He's had a 20% target share of that stretch. We kept thinking it was going to be Wondell Robinson, and I like Wondell Robinson. Uh, I really do, but he just hasn't done as much with the opportunity as Darius Slayton, who came on in his rookie year, and it's been a kind of an up-and-down fantasy career for Darius Slayton, but seems to have found or refound a connection in this offense with Daniel Jones. So we'll talk about him again tomorrow in the Wave Wire show. We talk about this a lot, but um, I think this is more real than not. Look, it's only three receptions. He's, he's a big play-dependent guy, but he has the kind of speed to be able to do that. And given how well the Giants are running the ball with Saquon and with Jones, that sets up play action, which is 
Slayton's a perfect guy for that. Yep. I mean, in real time, he was like plus 900 to turn that catch into a touchdown. So if the minus 1,000 no cashes, we're not talking about him today, but that is kind of his yeah. game. Uh, let's talk about, it's been a good couple of weeks for Westbrooks because uh, Russell Westbrook is now the favorite for six man of the year on BetMGM. Saved his season for your Lakers. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Nick Westbrook Akine. Uh, have I butchered that? No, that that's correct. That? Well yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, Nick yeah finally Kena. something you said right. Yeah, yeah Nick yeah. Westbrook. Well, he's had a renaissance too, uh, and he's providing value, uh, at least he did this week, with, I mean, I'm not sure how sustainable that was, catching a touchdown off a flea flicker uh, and getting his value that way. But, I mean, numbers don't lie. He's number five wide receiver in fantasy this week. I just think it's worth noting. I'm not. We'll talk about where, where he ranks, if at all, tomorrow on the waiver show. Uh, I just think he's worth noting given the fact that we've seen this before. You know, um, you, you think about, uh, you know, um, you think about what he's, he's done this before in, in previous years. Like, we've seen flashes from it. And the fact that with Ryan Tannehill under center, it seemed like they were willing to throw, which yeah. they never were with Malik Willis under center. Now, they're at the Packers this week. That's the Thursday night game. Um, uh, so, you know, we'll see um, if he gets anything done. I mean, CeeDee Lamb just had a huge game against the Packers. I think Traylon, if I'm, if I'm picking a Titans wide receiver, I think I still want Traylon Burks just based on the pedigree, the upside. He ran a bunch of routes in his first game back. The box score production isn't really there, but you feel good about sort of like the amount of times he was on the field last week. But they looked like a more competent offense with Ryan Tannehill under center, a more pass-friendly offense. They're still, it's always still going to be the Derrick Henry show, but they're going to pass a little bit more with Tannehill under center and there's not a lot of other competition outside of maybe Burks. Woods hasn't done anything all year long, right? You know, every once in a while, Austin Hooper pops up. But, like, I'm just saying, like, in a deep league, he's just a name to sort of keep on your radar if he can do this again. I thought it was – I didn't think it was worth dismissing. I didn't think it's a total fluke, I guess is my point. Yep. No, I'm with you there. Let's go to break. Right. When we come back, we're going to talk way, Sunday I did, scaries. I just checked. I did not have Amon Ross St. Brown on my love list this week. <laughs> I had him last it. week. We didn't do as well. Yeah. I just want – but I want <laughs> to own Christian that. you have Christian Watson on your love list this uh, week? We, we, we talked about the sun god on Sunday morning, though. I said I liked him on Sunday morning. Download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster and get the latest injury updates, player news, plus much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. All right. That, all was, right. that was good news to impart. Let's talk about some bad news and some Sunday scaries. And let's start with Nick Westbrook-Akine's teammate, mm. uh, Derrick Henry. I didn't have it on the cards that Nick Westbrook-Akine was going to double Derrick Henry's yardage and uh, get two touchdowns to Henry's none. Some concerns about Derrick Henry, I think, where, look, it's one game. He had 19 carries, just didn't have any running lanes against a really good Denver defense. But against the Chiefs, he only played 30 of 51 offensive snaps. He hasn't been practicing. He showed up a week and a half ago on the practice report. And look, all in all, fantastic season. And this game against Denver was a blip. He'd gone 100-plus the five games before that and had racked up a ton of touchdowns in that time as well. But any concerns about Derrick Henry? No, they sold out to stop the run in this one. They play, as we talked about, they play the Packers. Well, this is the one. Because he can, like, that's a 200-yard yeah. spot for the King. If, if, somebody, if somebody's freaking out about Derrick Henry making an offer by low. Yeah, I think I have no concerns about Derrick Henry. Like, if he's going to get that many touches in a game, many more times than not, he's going to produce big fantasy points. Again, Denver just sold out to stop him and said, we'll take our chances with Nick Westbrook Akine. 
<laughs> beating us. And Can that's we throw Derrick Henry some more passes? Because we yeah. thought that might be a that's thing coming That's the other the problem is he just not, hasn't been a big par- bigger got, part of the He got three game. targets uh, against the Broncos, but, two catches for 14 yards. But on, against Kansas City, he wasn't even on the field on yeah. third down, which feels like, I don't know, maybe a mistake. They, like Dontrell, Hillier. they like Dontrell Hillier there. It's a way to get him on the field. Uh, but certainly, they have, with Tannehill under center, they have more options, yeah. which they just didn't have with Malik Willis. You know what? If I've got Derrick Henry, I don't care about getting Dontrell Hilliard on the field. Dontrell Hilliard, you're going to run for 200 yards and two touchdowns every game against the Texans, then you can get on the field. Let's talk about another big name who underperformed, Alvin Kamara. He's had 8.4 points per game over the past two weeks. The team just looked dreadful against Pittsburgh, and it's been it's kind of turning into a lost season for the Saints and Kamara's stock's going down a little bit. Yeah, I just, it is. I mean, and I don't know what you can do about it. I think you got to keep rolling him out there. But certainly, if you could get RB1 value for him, um, I might think about it. Here's their upcoming schedule. Rams, Niners, Bucks, bye. So Three good, de- I mean, like, you don't, I know, I, I know James Conner just ran all over the Rams, but like, you don't. Still, Aaron Donald's still there. Yeah. Here's my question to you. Would you trade Alvin Kamara for Jonathan Taylor right now? Because yes. I think I would. Yes. Yep. Yep. Whereas two you days know. ago, wasn't even no. a discussion, so it changes pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another guy that you're not going to be able to trade for Jonathan Taylor. But yeah, there's a, there's a concern here. But if you don't trade him, I think you're still, you still have to, you know, roll him out there, right? Um, I think they'll figure out ways to hopefully involve him more in the passing game. We'll see if there's a, you know. Any sort of quarterback switch. they got to do something. Can we get this a quarterback is... switch? I want to see Jameis out there. Yeah. I want the full Jameis experience exactly. again. If only for Chris Olave throwing it deep. All right, DeAndre Swift, who uh, came into the season as a borderline first-round pick. Looked like he was going to deliver on that at the start of the year. Now just completely on the periphery in Detroit. This is Jamal Williams' backfield. It is. You know, DeAndre Swift hasn't had more than 50 total yards in a game since week two. is not more than 10 touches in a game since week one. He hasn't had double-digit touches in a game since week one, Jay. Yeah, and a lot it's of just it's, it's shocking. Since he's returned, he's clearly not 100% healthy, but in the three games since returning, he's had 22 total touches in those three games. So he's averaging, you know, under eight touches a game. He's averaging 10.1 fantasy points per game. Like, he bails you out a little bit with the touchdowns. He scored, I believe, in two of the last three, but I don't know. There's upside that, there the, the rest of the Monkey meme. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's an animated, like, it's an animated, like... Not animated. It's like Explain a stuffed it to animal. Me, it's a stuffed animal, a monkey, and he just like he's doing this. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a gif. Yeah, it's a great impression of it too. Yeah, it's a lot I'm better. I'm sort of like. It's a lot better than your. You know what, you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, I do know. Okay, about, yeah. then it is a great impression. I have no idea what you're doing with your um, go bolts go whatever the Schwarzenegger thing is, but yeah, that that kind of gives an impression of what you're doing. All right, we got to move on. We have it's to like that, on. right? The yeah. only way out of that is by talking about David Montgomery. I feel like we're talking Thank about the you. Bears. Research confirms that's close. <laughs> yeah. Screw you. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're talking about the Bears more than any other team on this show, and I'm okay with it, even though they're 3-7 and seven yeah. and, um, in the cellar of the NFC North now. But uh, they are extremely fantasy relevant, and, uh, and also there's just decisions that need to be made, be made about Bears every week, and the main one is who you're going to play between Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, both none or one or the other and uh until yesterday i would have thought definitely you're just starting both david montgomery though is trending in the wrong direction he only gets nine carries for 37 yards against detroit gets out carried by khalil herbert he's had one game over the last four one game with more than 15 touches right 
Um, Not getting the receiving work either. No, he's had back-to-back games with under 45 yards from scrimmage. He's had one game with multiple receptions since week six. One game, right. So your point is he's in a 50-50 timeshare with another running back. He's not getting any passing game usage. And by the way, the best runner on the team is their quarterback. That's part of the other problem, too, is when Justin Fields is running for 60 yards, you don't need Montgomery as much. When you run as effectively as you can with Justin Fields, you don't need Montgomery. So Montgomery, who, whose biggest fantasy appeal to me was always volume-based, like, hey, he just gets a ton of work, right? You know, you think about um, in his first full games, first four full games this year, he had 16 or more touches in every single game. So the fact that he's not getting volume, you start going like, uh, yeah, um, not good. Anyway, we'll see the injury to Khalil Herbert because if he is out, you love Montgomery this week at, at Atlanta. But certainly cause for concern here. Like, I don't think it's a fluke. It's, it's a three-headed running back committee because one of their guys is Justin Fields. Yep. All right, music's playing off the stage, Matthew Barry. Let's yeah, go to yeah. break when we come back. Some props with our friends at BetMGM. Tonight's Commanders-Eagles blockbuster. The action never stops at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code BERRY, B-E-R-R-Y, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code BERRY to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. It is risk-free. There is no risk. That's what risk-free means. Yes. Let's talk about the most bet. Monday Night Football props Ah. on BetMGM. Commanders at Eagles. The spread is 11. Your team is in favoured, Matthew. The total Mm. is 43.5. And And a lot of A.J. Brown. It's popular with the public for good reason. He's plus 600 to score the first touchdown. Minus 105. Anytime touchdown score. I probably like that one more. And then 71.5 is his receiving yards total. What's your best bet? My best bet, I'm going to go with... uh, I hate to do this, but... um, Taylor Heineke, under 215 passing yards. Wow, you're fighting he's, your man. Yeah, look, he's had Sad. under 205 passing yards two of the past three games. In, in his three starts this year, he's had under 205 passing yards in two of the three starts this year. Eagles are the number two pass defense in the NFL. They give him just 177 passing yards per game. They're at home, in prime time, off of a bye. They've had two weeks to prepare for this game. Maybe there's junk time and they kill him, but I think Washington wants to really slow down the game and run a ton. So, yeah, give me the under on 215 passing yards. Okay, tying into that, I'm taking Antonio Gibson over 34 and a half rushing yards. He's gone over three of the past four. You can run on the Eagles, you as can. Damian Pierce showed. Uh, and, look, he's, he got 11 carries last time out. I think it's shifting more towards him in the backfield than your man Brian Robinson. Which is absolutely fair. To your point, over the last four weeks, Eagles allow 118 rushing yards per game to opposing running backs. So I like the over on Antonio Gibson rushing yards, even maybe his total scrimmage yards at BetMGM, which is 63 and a half. Look, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. It's closing time. Go Commanders! For Jay Crouch, i Matthew Berry. We'll see you back here in the happy hour tomorrow. Stop it. Why would you root for the Eagles? <laughs>